All right. Welcome back to the Face Off Spot. This is your host, Adam Larson. And uh, I'd like to thank you guys for tuning into another episode. We always appreciate it when you guys tune in. And as usual, we are sponsored by Rube's Brews. Uh, please feel free to check them out on Instagram and or Facebook. Uh, I think they have some news about some other things going on. Um, yeah, you should probably just check it out and find out what those things are. Um, anyway, we have a, uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say it, Matt Taylor, a special guest here today. Um, but on top of that special guest, we also have a, a special co-host and a friend of the show. And there aren't that many people that I feel like are deemed friends of the show, but I, in fact, have one here today. And when I say friend of the show, there's a certain amount of uh, loyalty and a certain amount of friendship and, and just, uh, I would say, just uh, uh, just care that's involved in that. But uh, my co-host today um, is, and he was my, let's see, episode number two, I believe, was his, uh, his first appearance here. So he was on the podcast before this was ever even a thing. Uh, he, just, he, he was just doing me a favor, but in, in retrospect, I actually went back and listened to it. It was a very good episode, but my co-host today... From episode number two, Newman Arango. Newman, thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much for having me, Adam. Glad to be back. Well, it's just, I feel like it's been too long. Um, and we were kind of talking about it before because I was, I was trying to figure out how many episodes that you've actually been on. Um, but the, here's the thing is that you've been on two, but it really should have been three. You were a part of a, a, a birthday episode for me where I had my, my good friends around. I believe you were there. Corby, Corby was there. Uh, the entire Rubio family was there. And I had forgotten to plug the uh, wire into the laptop. Um, so technically, this is your fourth time on, but only third time being recorded. Did I get all that right? That is exactly correct. That is, uh, we refer to that as the lost episode. It is, and, but uh, it's the only lost episode. It, it is, but it was, uh, for all the fans listening out there, it was quite the episode, so uh, we're well, sorry to you. Well, so here, here's the funny thing, Newman, is that it's actually sort of recorded, but only out of the microphone on the laptop, which is kind of interesting. So, like, I've gone back through, and you can tell that everybody's having a really good time, but you can only hear me. Um, so that's the only problem with the episode. But um, I just, I, uh, I wanted to take this opportunity, and I know that I already said this, but, um, you know, I'm sorry that I didn't plug the wire in because it just, it would have been great and we were just having so much fun. But uh, either way, I'm glad that you're back here now. That is plenty okay. The episode may be lost, but the memories aren't. <laughs> hey, the memories aren't. And it was my birthday, and they were good memories spent with uh, what I'll go ahead and uh, call family. Uh, Newman, I consider you family now. Um, but the reason that you are here is because uh, we have a, uh, a friend of yours, and I will also say a friend of uh, another uh, friend of the show, uh, Corby's. Um, Corby, I should give him his props because he reached out to me. Um, I kind of do this thing where I talk to you and Corby sometimes about like, hey, like I just I would really like some some new guests or like if you guys have anybody for me, like, you know, please, you know, let me know because I, I love to meet new people. You know, they're especially, you know, if, if they happen to be, you know, good hockey players, that that's a plus. But uh, anyway, I want to say it was months and months and months ago um, that he had brought up uh, a certain person and um this certain person isn't uh, in the DFW anymore, but it, it was from this area originally. Um, but my guest today is uh, Kimball Johnson, and he is currently playing NCAA, NCAA Division One for the St. Thomas Tommies. 
Kimball, did I get that right? That's correct. Okay, so he is uh, currently playing defense uh, for the uh, St. Thomas Tommies, and um, it's one of those things to where if if Corby and Newman, if they give you the thumbs up and say, "Hey, like this is a guy that you uh, that you need to have on," I'm going to uh, I'm going to trust them on this. But uh, the other thing that they had said is that uh, uh, you're just a good. Can we call him a kid? Can I call him a kid? I'm 35. Absolutely. I'm going to call him a kid. You, they, they said that you were a, a good kid. And uh, Kimball, I just, I really appreciate you, um, you know, because I know that you don't have a lot of time down here and you have friends and family that you're trying to see, but I'm glad that you could make some time to come on, uh, come on the show. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, and uh, I do have to say that uh, Newman and myself and, and you, uh, we were able to, and this doesn't usually happen before the pod, but we were actually able to go out, get a little stick and puck, and uh, we, we, we got to move our feet a little bit before the podcast, yeah? Yeah, I would say so. We got a little pregame skate for the podcast. Yeah, um, so before you get started, because uh, I kind of have uh, some questions for you here, but before we get into any of those, can, can you tell me how you met Newman? So I met Newman when I was 16. Uh, I was playing for the Stars Elite AAA team here in town. Yep. Um, and I got the chance to play affiliate games with the Lone Star Brahmas. Um, and so I was 16 at the time. I was pretty much just scared of, scared of everything in the locker room. Yep. Um, talked to, I think I talked to Newman uh, just, I don't know, a couple times for little things. And then from there on out, I stayed with the Brahmas for, I think, three years after that. Mm -hmm. um, and just slowly through there, we became really close by talking every day, just making making coming to the rink really fun and yeah. just really, really fun to do with yeah. each other, I guess. Well, I mean, Newman is, uh, and this is one of the reasons I think that we've become such good friends, Newman, but you're just, uh, you're, you're just a hockey person. You're just, uh, you're, you're somebody that I feel like, um, I don't know, spreads the joy and love of what the game is about. So I can see, uh, and I'm assuming he's probably not the, the first kid that you've maybe uh, taken, uh, taken uh, what's the word I'm trying to say, under, under your wing a little bit and just try to say, hey, um, this is what it's up. This is what it's about. Yeah, I'd say under, under the wing's the right term. Yeah? Uh, you know, it, it's a friendship now, and I'm thankful for it, obviously, but uh, yeah. it was definitely more of a mentorship at the start because yeah. when this kid came to me, he was using a, a PD8 curve for oh. listeners to know what that is. So he so. wasn't trying to do anything yeah, in particular. Was, uh, yes. uh, I mean, a P88 at his time was a strictly dump the puck in the corner. And yeah, 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 yeah. You only um, have a certain amount of responsibilities here. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, now, now I'm sitting next to one of the most skilled hockey players I know. So hey, he's no. come well, a long way. Come well, a long hey, way. And, and, and I will say this before we kind of get any further, but um, I, I do know quite a few people. I feel like in the Dallas-Fort Worth uh, hockey community, and it's not just Corby and Newman that have kind of said that you're kind of, uh, you know, I think a lot of people have pride in kind of that local kid, you know, making it somewhere. Like, everybody kind of feels involved. And also for the other, like, young kids growing up, you're kind of an example of like, oh, you can definitely just, like, go do this. Like, you for sure can do this. Like, if you play for this team, that team, like, you have an opportunity to, like, kind of achieve the, the dreams that you want to. But getting into that, and this is how we usually start the show, um, but can you kind of talk about how you first got started? And not necessarily how you got on the ice, but how you got um, – interested in the sport itself because you're you know a little bit younger uh well you're a lot younger than me a little bit younger than uh, newman here but what did this kind of look like um for you as far as you know you're, you're getting ready to be interested in the sport where are you um who gets you interested in it um 
take it away. So I actually played uh, baseball growing up until I was about seven or eight years old. Um, and then it was, I think, third grade. Uh, I went to, I actually broke my foot playing baseball, so I was out not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Went with my dad to a high school hockey game. His uh, business partner's son played. And we didn't know much about it, and I just watched it, and I was loving it. And on the way home, I was like, Dad, I need to play this sport. And he he kind of just went along with it, um, just whatever, like playing the sport. Like, yeah, we'll see how it goes. It turns out I have a – or I had a friend um, in third grade who played roller hockey. And this is when I lived in Denton. Mm-hmm. And so the roller hockey rink's not too far away from there. Yeah. Um, and so we kind of talked about hockey, and he's like, hey, you should come play roller hockey with me. Yep. And that's a much easier start to the game. It's cheaper. It's much easier to get to. Um, and so I talked to my parents about that um, and finally got that to happen. And so I just played roller hockey for fun from 8 till I was 10. Mm-hmm. I didn't start ice hockey till I was 10 when yeah. I played for the Dallas Ice Jets. Yeah. Um, and I played for the Ice Jets uh, since I was 10 to 14. So I always ask this question when anybody brings up the Ice Jets, but did you have any cables? Were there any cables involved in Both your situation? Both of them. Butch, Butch Cable and so, Carson So cable. Butch was my high school hockey coach. Okay. So, uh, yes, so I... I uh, can yes, but yeah. um, but this is just kind of like a gentle nudge into maybe uh, some stories or some things or information <laughs> that you might have about them. And but before I start, like they are fantastic yes. coaches. Um, but uh, anyway, just uh, any thoughts? Before I say anything, I would not be here without either of them. No. Um, they for sure have made me who I am from training two to three hours a day yeah. every day. Um, it was a grind for sure. They, yeah, 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 yeah. They could be crazy, but at the end of the day, they want what's best for you. And yeah. when you're that age, you're you have all the energy in the world, and so you're gonna just put yeah. your head down and go to work. Well, and, and I will say this: it's kind of a funny story because when they uh, Butch Carson and their youngest brother Clage, they all came down and skated for the Oilers. All, they all were on the same same, or they were all on the team at the same time. Sorry, that's what I was trying to say. Um, but the funny part was is that. They kind of, um, they all kind of were more involved in the rink and the youth hockey than a lot of the other pros that were down there at the time. Like they, they kind of took a, a liking to that. So we kind of got to know them all really well. But what was funny was, you know, we had a bunch of uh, good hockey knowledge in that area, you know, up in Tulsa or whatever. But when they came down and they were like, this is how we train, we were all like, what is this? Like these guys do this all the time. They were doing like carrot. Uh, yeah. drinks and juice juicers oh, yeah. and kale juice oh the yeah, ca- yeah the juice they were all and it was just one of those where it's like man we thought we were intense yeah. but like this is like next level but there was a lot of players that like adapted to that i definitely was not one of them because i just I, I, yeah. I was too lazy if i'm gonna be honest with you way too lazy but it was just kind of one of those situations there were, there was a bunch of people that were like okay um you know and then they had trained um derek pym uh, was a good buddy of mine um but he decided to just train with them for an entire year and and forgo playing for like any sort of team just to train with them for a whole year um just with kind of like how intense it is but they're what they're i think trying to get through to you is like what it takes because i think that they kind of saw the training necessary because when they were down in tulsa 
the it wasn't that all these people had to be in the greatest shape ever. Sometimes you could get away with just being a good hockey player, but I think that they kind of saw what was coming and that you needed to be in just like great shape and that you needed to train all the time because like I don't know if it's a hidden secret or anything, but if you go back and watch hockey from like the 80s and 90s, those guys weren't necessarily training all the time and uh now you have to. Yeah, a couple of intermission cigarettes back then. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a couple, yeah, cold ones. Maybe. Uh, but anyway, no. But the the the, the cables are great. But uh, I'm glad that, that you were able to to take something away from that. For sure. Yeah, they were a huge part in my hockey career growing up. Um, just like you said, though, uh, they are crazy and intense. And, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you yeah. look the way the game is trending. The top players yeah. in the NHL, they're just like that, intense with what they eat and mm-hmm. everything, and so. They were a great example for me. Yeah, no, that, no, that's awesome. But uh, another thing that, uh, and sometimes I talk about this like ad nauseum on the podcast, but one of the things that I wanted to hit on, and probably would like to do that now before we get too far into it, but I constantly talk about, and I know that there's certain ice hockey coaches that, oh, this isn't a good idea, that roller hockey is good for kids. And that I that there's just... That that they almost think that it's like, oh, it's not real hockey. It's like, go play against some really, really good roller hockey players. And it just, like, you'll realize how quickly that those players gain a certain skill set so much quicker than you will in ice hockey. And there's almost certain times, and I almost see this as like a, a compliment, but there's a lot of people that are like, oh, do you play roller hockey? And it's just me playing ice hockey. I'm just playing ice hockey, but they mean it as a compliment because I'm doing things at a, a high skill level that like where that you would maybe only get from roller. But I kind of want to talk to you about, you know, your your roller career and I'm assuming that you didn't stop playing it just because you you played ice, but can you kind of go to um, you know, playing roller and how it's kind of uh, affected your career or the, your your talent skill or your skill level or I want you to kind of speak on that a little bit if you can. Because I talk about it all the yeah. time and people don't believe me. So can you yeah, talk so on it? so I hate when people say roller hockey is bad yeah, for your ice stupid. hockey. Um, I mean, the most I notice from it is your sense and knowledge of the game and then your hands, obviously. Yeah. Um, I think just like your mind, mind for hockey – coming from roller hockey helps so much with possession. Mm-hmm. Um, just not kind of throwing pucks away and just little things. Um, but then you look at guys in the NHL, you have Patrick Kane, TJ Oshie. Those are roller guys, and they yeah. have arguably some of the best hands in the league. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't look like they struggle skating. Yeah. And so I, I don't think there's any downside with playing roller hockey and ice hockey together. Um, and I actually I continue in offseason play roller hockey when I can. Um, whether it's just games or even a fun tournament like State Wars. Yeah, well, and, and, and the, so, and here's the, here's the funny part, is that, you know, because I, uh, I give lessons, I, I coach hockey, and I get this question a lot, but, like, I'll have a, a, like, I'll have a desire or a want from a parent, and what they're wanting essentially cannot be taught by anything else but just being in a game and playing, whether it be creativity or just any of that, and what I think that they're losing is that, like, okay, like, kids show up for stick and puck, and they'll do drills. And that's great. Drills are great. Drills are fun. Like, that's awesome. And then they'll play their games, and they might have, you know, X amount of shifts a game. Okay, they're only really in, you know, the actual hockey moment for that amount of time. And then they go to practice. There might be, like, a, some mini games, this and that, and they might kind of whatever. 
if you want to get better at hockey, play roller hockey with your buddies for like six hours in like one day. Like, and just literally against a bunch of other good hockey players, you will be completely able to protect the puck with little space with like, it just, it actually puts you in the, the actual moment of the game. Cause you can go play roller hockey for the most part, whenever you want to. And I think yeah. that that's what gets lost on people is that you're just like, I'm not saying that shooting in your garage is a bad thing, but like, why couldn't you just take shooting in your garage and go skate and move and stick handle while moving? You know, you see all these clips of kids stick handling side to side with their feet completely still. And it's like, I understand that, but like throw some rollerblades on that kid and have them move around. Like there, there's just for, for the sake of it, just like, Oh, this isn't, it's not ice hockey, but roller hockey's bad. So we're going to stand here. Like I get it. And I'm not saying that shooting stationary yeah. is bad because it's not, but throw some roller blades on every once in a while. You know what I mean? Like, am I the only one that feels this way? Numi, I feel like you're going to say something. No, no, I'm with you. I'm with both you guys. I mean, even just cost efficiency wise, yeah. I mean, all over the world, hockey is an expensive sport to play. Yeah. I mean, and especially here in Texas, like, I mean, I know you know how much ice time mm-hmm. is just for an hour. And yep. as a kid growing up, you know, hockey's already a privileged sport. You can't just go out and be on the ice for an hour to just mess around, not work on anything and, you know, get the proper touches you need and play with all your buddies. I yeah. mean, to be able to go play roller hockey, I mean, it's all about your time spent with the puck. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize, and I'm sure, you know, obviously Kimball knows. Yeah. You know, say Kimball's playing a college game. It's three 20-minute periods, intermission, everything, just like the NHL here. Full, full night of hockey. How often is the puck on your actual stick? I mean. Very I mean, little. Yeah, yeah. maybe yeah. combined time. You touch the puck for a minute and a half in a night. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're never going to learn and develop your skills that way. You need yeah. to go somewhere where it's a slower pace of game, you know, roller hockey's four on four. There's more touches on the puck. You regroup with no offsides. Possession's so important. So it's forcing you to, oh, I can't just dump it and pass my problem on to the next guy. I need to hold it, wait, because it took us three minutes to get this puck back. I better make sure I make a play here. I mean, and, you know, Kimball mentioned Kane and Maroon and Oshie. I mean, but you got guys like McDavid played roller hockey. Troy Terry, who's tearing it up for the Anaheim Ducks, is a huge roller hockey guy. I mean, and uh, the funniest example is, you know, you talk about ice hockey guys going to play roller. It's a different game. Uh, you even look at some guys like um, there's a couple NHL guys that will go play roller hockey in the summer in these tournaments. Yeah. Uh, Pat Maroon. Yeah. yeah. And After like, he won, yeah. Some of these guys don't even play in the top division because it's a different game uh-huh. and you learn different skills. And you may be the best at ice hockey, but you go to roller and you might be playing in division three. Oh yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. Still oh, not be the best players. Oh so. yeah. No, no, for sure. And, um, but I, I think that, um, Newman, what you touched on there. And I think what I was trying to get to is that you can play six hours in a day because you're not, if you were to try and play six hours of ice time in a day, you know, unless your parents are millionaires, that's just never going to work. You know what I mean? So but my thing is just like sitting, uh, sitting around and waiting for those touches or those moments is just, you're wasting too much time. Like there, there's time that you could be out there. And I, I have like dreams of dreams of like trying to make like, you know, training facilities slash like roller rinks or, or whatever slash daycares. Cause like, I don't know. I felt like when I was growing up, like, um, for a, a long period of time, my dad actually owned his own roller hockey rink. But, um, for the majority of my time growing up, there was a roller rink out in Owasso, Oklahoma. And, uh, the guy that ran the rink, um, his name was Chip and, 
he, uh, he kind of just knew all of us kids, and it was one of those things where they'd kind of have, like, uh, they'd have it open for most of the day so that we would just kind of, like, pay, you know, uh, per hour or whatever, but we weren't actually paying that much, and it was almost, like, a lot cheaper than daycare, so our parents would drop us off, and we'd take little breaks, because they, they might have, like, an hour of, like, public skate or whatever it was, but that would just give us enough time to, like, eat lunch and kind of do whatever we want to. As soon as that was over, it was like, all right, Chip, we're going back out. We'd drag the nets back out. But it was just one of those things where it's like, hey, parents, like, if you really kind of want, like, a slash daycare, like, maybe we can just throw them out into the roller rink and kind of take care of them for a little bit. And I just felt like that's kind of what we did constantly was just skate for a long time, eat and drink, and then skate for a long time, and then eat and drink. And we just, if I was to think about how much actual playing time I got, you know, while that was going on, it was just almost uh, immeasurable, but uh, anyway. Um, well, Kimball, I'm glad that you were able to speak on that, so it wasn't just me uh, shouting at the sky all the time uh, about roller hockey here, but uh, anyway, let's let's get back to your episode, but I like these chats. These are This is what the show is about. Maybe maybe one more roller thing before we get too far away from it. Oh, well, no, 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 yeah, is, no, uh, let's keep it open. Me and Kimball actually played on a little bit of a roller team together, and uh, I think we we did it for, how long would you say? Three, four years? Yeah, roughly. And we've got some pretty good alumni, I think, uh, besides me and uh, Dalton Skelly, another one of the alumni. Mm-hmm. who uh, He plays in the ECHL now. His dad played with us. Uh, I think Corby played a couple games, and our friend Mark that you know about. Oh, yeah, yeah. That works yeah. Uh, in Ripper. Hartford. Yeah, yeah. Uh, besides us, I think every single person played Division I uh, and is now playing pro either in Switzerland or ECHL, AHL. Yeah. Couple NHL contracts, and you know, Kimball's still in school. Yeah, playing against one of our other friends still in school, Blake Evano. But so uh, well, hey. the alumni's there. The hey. hockey's there. No, but you should you should you should be proud. It's almost like uh, I understand the uh, the under your wing uh, scenario here. But uh, I'm glad you're uh, showing these kids that uh, that you can still move around. Uh, you you just you look good today, uh, Newman. Not so I, much. Not so much. I know. Well, no, I just uh, I thought you know, Kimball obviously. Uh, was way better than both of us, but uh, you know, for everybody listening uh, that doesn't know Newman, he is a he's a good hockey player. But uh, anyway, Kimball, uh, back to your story. Unless you have anything else that you would like to proclaim as far as your love for roller roller hockey, um, you're you're with the Ice Jets now. Um, what kind of transition happens after that? Because I know that you end up with the uh, uh, Stars Elite, but um, do you kind of want to talk about that transition from uh, uh, you know organization to organization, or how does that yeah. work? Yeah, so the biggest thing on why I loved the Ice Jets was just the training aspect that they provided. The full emphasis there was just training, skill development and everything. Um, And then it was when I was, yeah, uh, 14, going into my U15 year, um, I realized I needed to start getting games, uh, like meaningful games, I guess you could say. Um, cause that's when recruiting starts happening. Um, so that's, that's the year I made the transition to stars elite, uh, U 15 team. And, um, that year it was a fun team. I, I did pretty well. I got invited to, uh, USA national camp at following that season. Um, and that's kind of where I, I, I would say blossomed is where my, I started talking to schools and junior teams. Um, and then the follow or the next year, I played U16 Stars Elite, um, and I loved it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, got some recruitment as well, and decided to stay at home and play for the Lone Star Brahmas, which I got to live at home, just a 30-minute drive to the rink every day. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so that that was the transition from ice jets to stars and then stars to brahmas yeah um so when when you're kind of like um because when you're talking about you kind of uh you know starting to to figure out where you're headed here because i kind of always try and ask this question but was there anything was there any part of your game that you just kind of needed to work on in order to kind of make that next step because you know i will say that starting because you said you started playing ice hockey at 10 correct so it's really not a whole lot of of time in between you know you starting to play ice hockey and then you being really serious about you know continuing that into where you are you know obviously now but what things did you need to you know get better at and at what point did you know like okay now like i'm fully rounded and ready to go um so that's that's why i put such a big emphasis on carson and uh butch cable is they gave me all the skill set i would need to move on to the next level oh so you're already ready and, after that, well so. so getting to u15 and u16 i uh i had the skill i needed um i guess it would just say game-like situations because we didn't play very many games with ice jets yep um game-like situations but the biggest thing is when i got to lone star is defending um because i had the skills um i love to be an offensive defenseman mm-hmm. but when you're playing bigger guys it's you got to learn one way or another or else you're going to get scored on every yeah, night. yeah yeah um and yeah. so that's one big thing i learned in lone star is how important defending is you can do as much as you want with the puck or create offensive chances but yeah. you have to defend first off yeah so as being an offensive defenseman do you feel like maybe your value is on the rise because, you know, if, uh, if you were to take this back, maybe, I don't know, Newman, you might be able to help with this, but even back maybe six, seven years ago, I don't know if offensive defensemen are as valued as they are now. Like the game's kind of been changing, but um, I don't know. Is, is there any chance that, that you feel like that has, has benefited you? Because um, one thing that I truly believe in is that the game is changing in a way to where you almost need like at least one sort of hybrid defenseman that could fill in at any point for anybody on the ice. And it, it takes a special skill set to do that. You know, if you're going to look into the NHL, obviously you have McCarr, Fox, uh, there's a handful of others. But if you look at like how rare it is to be able to, to really have that full skill set, like A, do you feel like you have that skill set? And B, um, do you think that that is of value to, you know, just the hockey world in general at this point? Without, you know, uh, I know that you are going to yeah. want to stay humble and, you know, I'm not trying to pump your tires yeah. too much, but. Yeah, I mean, first off, it's a tough question. I would never put me and McCarr in the same sentence, but. Well, yeah. But. Obviously, that's that's the kind of player I model my game after. Right. Um, it's just crazy. Um, I'll have flashes like that in games that I play, but then seeing him do it at the NHL level. Yeah. it's I mean, it's proven it works at every level. Um, it's definitely the game is trending to be more offensive, more skilled. Um, and I would say the value of a offensive defenseman that's also responsible in the D zone, of course, is yeah. very high value. Well, I mean, it's like, um, I don't know. Uh, Newman, did you go to the uh, Stars-Oilers game? Uh, I did not. Oh, okay. So I went to the Stars-Oilers game. And I can say that McDavid, even being just one of, you know, obviously maybe the best player in the world, Miro skated with him so well that it was he, he was just not a factor and it wasn't like it wasn't because of McDavid's lack of effort or anything he just I don't think that was used to 
that type of, of, of player that could skate that way with him. And it was a lot of fun to watch because he didn't, you know, naturally I think that the idea is that, you know, you allow them a certain sort of gap. But what Miro was doing is that there was almost no gap. It was almost like I'm going to skate right beside you as try, and I'm going to try and do as fast as you can, and most of the time that's going to be backwards. Right. And it was just enough to disrupt him. It's the right. thing, it's like he didn't get enough steps to become dangerous, if right. you will. And this is an offensive defenseman that is shutting down the best offensive player in the world. Right. I mean, and uh, you know, talking about how the way the game changed, if you just look back in the day, you would say, you know, 15 years ago, the defense was coached as maintain a gap, don't mm-hmm. let anyone behind you, uh, just keep them in front of you. And yep. that was pretty much it. And now... Like you're saying with Miro, uh, there's no gap to maintain per se. You attack them. You skate yep. with them because mm-hmm. these guys are too good and too yep. skilled that if you give them the slightest bit of time and space, they're going to figure out a way to impose their will on you and make a play. But it's almost like that. You know that play that McDavid – and it's a beautiful play. Don't get me wrong. But you know where he skates around like four people or whatever? Right. First one is turned, no chance. Like the, the top guy, no chance, that guy. Like he's in the picture, but not a chance. The other guys are all just sort of there. That's not, they were never a threat in that play. Like he was always just going to try and skate as fast as he could around a triangle of semi-stationary players, you know? It's like, you know how the game, there's kind of like an action and reaction to the game? If there's more players like McDavid, like that gap control, it is not like force him to the outside. Because you see him all the time, like they force him to the outside, he busts his way back into the middle towards the net at the end of it. And you know what I mean? Like you can't let players shoot from there, which is exactly how he scored both of those one-on-four goals. or Because he had another one that was like two nights later. Right. You can't. Kind of like you said, like there's just there's not enough time in the game now mm-hmm. with how fast players are to react. Yeah, you need to, and I'm sure you know Kimball's coaches have told him this, and all coaches are saying it now. And I'm sure you teach your kids, you play your game. Yeah, you force them to play your game. You don't, oh, let me see what he does, and then I'll just try to stop him. Like, yeah, uh, the best way to stop him is don't let him get going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's funny you said that because the what I'm trying to, um, because uh, Kimball, I coach. JV Bronze, uh, high school hockey. Um, and, you know, my team is doing well, but we still obviously have some things to learn. But it's one of those things that I'm trying to get them to become more, um, they're too reactive instead of being proactive. And I'm trying to get them to understand that, like, you have to impact, you have to impact the play. You yeah. can't just sit back and react. Because imagine if all five players are constantly reacting to the other team. Oh, well, then you're a step behind every single time. Like, you're always one, you know what I mean? You're always one stride behind, you're always one, because you're not the person that's making that decision, if that makes sense. Right, you're just yeah. chasing. You're just chasing, and that's what they're doing, is that they're just yeah. kind of chasing. But um, if you were to have any advice, Kimball, and I, I don't want to put you on the spot, if you had any advice for my team, because you play defense, obviously, yeah. at a, a very high skill level, what can my team do to be more proactive and stop sitting around? The, I, I tell them to move their feet, and I tell them that's yeah. literally what I mean, like, literally move your feet. Um, but what would you tell my players? And I, I may just... Uh, so I actually have a perfect story for you. Yeah. Um, this was through the first, I guess, eight games of our season. Um, and I was playing decent, not as good as I'd want, not as good as coaches wanted. Um, and I had a meeting with them, and he said, it just seems that you're waiting for the game to come to you. 
and I kind of was like, I, I agree with it for sure. I was kind of like just kind of getting adapted to the college game. Um, and he was like, I want to see you go out there and take control of the game. And which kind of put my mind like not confused, but just kind of like, wow, I mean, I don't know why, why I wouldn't. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of thought of ways like, how do I do that? And then it just made me realize of like things that got me here. The skill set that I've had is like you can play how you've always played. It's just yep. at a different level. Yep. Um, and so I guess advice is something I've put a lot of emphasis on is, I mean, just as you said, keeping your feet moving. Mm -hmm. um, but I've noticed even as a D-man, like say in the offensive zone, if you're gapping up on a guy on your winger, uh, why not like be right on him? Like just right. kind of always having a presence, I guess, instead yes. of kind of allowing them to regroup and break out, like always, I don't know, being tighter. I don't know what I'm trying to get out here. But no, no, no. I, no, I, yeah, I, I, so think, I think most people yeah. completely understand what you're saying. Just being much more aggressive um, yeah. for sure. But, I mean, exactly what you said, keeping your feet moving. Yeah. You can't, you can't teach that enough. Well, and, uh, so, and to be honest with you, I think that, and I'm trying to get the kids through this because this is a lot of their, obviously, first time, you know, playing high school. But it's almost like everybody's afraid to make a mistake. Yes. So it's almost yeah. just like, I don't want to, and it's almost like, no, like I'm telling them, like, I would rather you make a, make a mistake by trying to make a play than just sitting around and, you know, because I know that it's easy to coach defense and be like, just keep them to the outside, yeah. keep them to the outside, you know, keep them around, out of the dots, keep them that, which I get that. And I'm not saying that's bad advice, but at a certain point, like, you have to, you know, yeah. you have you have to be proactive in that play um but a lot of that just comes yeah. comes from hockey sense and That's, i understand i understand the kids being like oh well like i just don't want to make a mistake but i'm like go make mistakes like this, yeah. is, J this is jv bronze like this is like you can go like i just want to see you go just go yeah. just right. go make the mistake but just go do it like if you get and and i wouldn't teach this for all hockey but go get beat or go you know like it's okay like just be aggressive at least try and move your feet towards something because i'm trying to get them through yeah. being afraid or timid and i feel like that's my job right now is to get them just through that and to just make play on the puck um one thing my coach always says is i don't care if you guys make mistakes as long as they're hard mistakes that's that's, that's exactly, exactly okay so yeah, that is what that, i was that trying puts to say it perfect yeah yes that, that okay yeah. see i wish i just said that yeah that would have just been yeah so, no, toe, but, toe drag turnover is different than a well, hard working well, turnover. well yeah, but just like seeing a kid just get beat and just kind of like having yeah. a stick in a lane, you're like, well, hey, but whatever. Yeah. But at the, at the end of the day, if some kid makes a mistake by being like a, a bit overly play. aggressive or whatever, yes. he'll come back to the bench and I'll grab him by his shoulders and, you know, hold on to him and be like, hey, man, like, buddy, that was yeah. great. Like, you didn't like, but but the, I just, I have more patience for that because I at least see the heart in it. But yes. but, but yeah. that it's that, that uh, fear of failure. Like, that's what I'm trying to get yeah. through to these kids is, like, I'm not going to get mad at you for doing – and I tell them this all the time. I'm not going to get mad at you for doing this or this or this or this. If you do these things, even if you fail in these things, I will not get mad at you for doing these things. But one of them is just dumping the puck in. It's like if they, they just – we do so much work to break the puck out. We get it in the neutral zone. We're so close to the blue line. And then they're like, little chip pass or like that. It's like, no. Like, yeah. get the puck in deep. Skate in deep. Like, just get that puck in deep, but it's just driving me crazy. It's like, I feel like it's the simplest thing in hockey. See, now I feel like I'm venting to you guys about my high school team. This is supposed to be uh, Kimball's uh, episode here, but uh, um, I won't ask if you have any advice on that, but I don't know. They just, 
I don't like when people lose the puck within a certain feet of the blue line. It just drives me nuts. Two yeah. feet inside, two feet outside. <sighs> yeah. We actually have the five foot rule. You have five foot? Five? Yeah. If it's five feet inside or five feet outside the blue, it's either going deep or you're yeah. making a hundred percent play. But, it, but it, the other thing that I, I'm trying to get through to my team too. Okay, Kimball, this is what you're here for, and I'm going to tell. <laughs> I'm going to tell everybody because these kids don't listen to me. I'm going to go like, oh, there's a kid playing D1 hockey, and this is what he said. Um, but I try and tell them so much of the the game is getting the puck out of your zone and into the other zone. Like there's like it yes. is so hard to get it out of yours, and sometimes it can be difficult to get it into theirs and gain possession. And it's like the work. I don't know. It's just. Kimball, if, if you ever get done with your hockey career, I don't know when that's going to be. It might be a decade, two decades from now. Who knows? Uh, but I'll always have an assistant hockey coach uh, spot open for you. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> you can come back and uh, coach with me anytime. Um, but anyway, so um, I want to start getting back into your hockey story because I'm sure people are tired of me venting about my high school hockey team. Um, but I kind of want to get back into your, uh, your your story here. So you're, you're with the Stars Elite at this point. Um, things are starting to get a little bit more um, serious, I guess, if you yeah. will, about your intentions on uh, the sport and what you plan on doing. Um, but because I have to ask this question, and I know this is a hard one to answer, but did you kind of know that you were capable and confident going into it uh, as far as that next step from uh, elite to you know either junior or college? Or um, how did you feel making that next step? Because... Not a lot of people have taken the path that you've taken uh, through the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So to give you a little bit of heads up, there's a lot of hockey parents that listen to this. And I feel like a big reason this podcast exists is because we're trying to kind of show maybe hockey parents like what that path looks like. Um, and I feel like there's not a lot of people like yourself that have done what you've done. So I'm trying to get as much information out of you as possible um, about that. But uh, does that make sense? Yeah, okay. for sure. Uh, first, I want to say, um, so Newman and I on the way here, we were talking about hockey paths. Um, and we were saying that everyone's path is completely different uh -huh. and there's not a single right path. Right. And so my path is different than anyone else's. Um, so I went from, from Stars to Lone Star. And when I was at Stars playing U16, um, I had a idea and was somewhat confident I would say that I would play college hockey um I had an uh scholarship offer actually before my U16 year um I ended up turning that down um but that kind of gave me gave me confidence for sure um but then going to Lone Star I actually had a wrist injury that put me out for my first full season of yeah. juniors and that, that time was tough. Uh, honestly, it was kind of like, how am I going to come back from this? Like I had a scholarship offer, a scholarship offer, but now it's, I mean, you can't take that back years later. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of had to just go from not playing for a full season to regaining my entire game, but also making the jump to juniors. And so it was kind of a double whammy. Um, but then I kind of battled through, I'd say the first... First and second year of being in Lone Star, I kind of, I guess, would say spent. I spent getting my game back. Um, my second year, I definitely picked up, and then third year, I had a pretty decent year. Yeah. Um, and I, I talked to schools, nothing too serious throughout then. Um, and then uh, I actually asked for a trade. I wanted to go.
go somewhere else. And I went to the Minnesota Wilderness for my final year of junior. Um, and there's, I'd say, where I kind of was back to myself, if that makes sense. No, oh, yeah. Um, I was the coach there. He kind of just gave me the green light for anything. I could be really offensive, be creative, do whatever, like yeah. kind of have my game back, which he, he tr- helped. He, he trusted you. Exactly. Go, yeah. go out and make mistakes. Yeah, he said. He said, See? "Go out there." Yeah, full circle. Yeah. Let's go. If you're make, if you're creating chances for, it's easy to turn the head on the ones yeah. against. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I went there, was able to play my game, and then I talked to a few schools, and I actually committed to Mercyhurst University. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after my last year junior, I went there, but that was the COVID year, and so we never played any games there. I ended up transferring to St. Thomas to be part of the division one um first year i guess yeah uh because they were a division three team prior to this season right now mm-hmm. and so i loved minnesota when i played junior here yeah. and so i i transferred back here back to st paul um and playing for st thomas now in the first year of division one it's it's a pretty special thing no man no that, that that's totally awesome and uh uh, my dad listens to all these. My uh, dad's side of the family is from Minnesota, Austin, which is a little bit uh, south. But uh, he, uh, he 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 would love to hear he would love to hear that. But uh, is, that where so, the, is that where the spam museum is? Yeah, oh no! Okay, hold on, hold on. So we're gonna probably have to set this episode for ten minutes later and longer than uh, I had planned on it. Um, yes. Uh, so let me tell you right now, uh, Austin, Minnesota is uh, uh, Hormel has a huge. Uh, a corporate office there. If you look at any Hormel product and you look at the bottom of it, you will see that it's either from two places, but 95% of the time it's from Austin, Minnesota. So uh, my grandfather worked for Hormel his entire life. Um, and then when he retired, he ended up being a tour guide at the Spam Museum. Uh, and if anybody's wondering, uh, and they will show you this, if you go to the Spam Museum to this day, um, they will claim that it's the reason that we won World War II. Uh, that we were able to ship the the meats to our, uh, and this is just what they say, and I'm not saying this, but that they were able to ship the meats to the people um, across the sea and that the meat would not be spoiled. Um, so you can thank Spam for uh, all your freedoms. Um, so yes, but yes, Austin, Minnesota is uh, the Spam capital of the world. Wow. Well, I did not know all that background. Yeah, no. Nice but this to is, know now. But this is, this, is yeah. what, this is what everybody's here for. Is, uh, I mean, here's the other thing, too, is if my family knew that uh, Spam Museum got brought up, but, like, I didn't say anything about it, they'd be super uh, upset at me. <laughs> so, like, this is, uh, this is completely a selfish moment. But, uh, Kimball, I, I hope you understand that I don't usually have people understand or even know where Austin is, let alone know that it's the Spam capital of the world. Okay. I only know them from playing the Austin Bruins. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, well, and that's actually, like, a huge thing for that, like, town. Um, and they're all super supportive of them. Um, I don't want to know your thoughts about them at all um, as far as if you've had to play against them because I want to just hold them uh, close to my heart. So we'll skip that part. Is that cool with you? Yeah, that's fair. Okay. It's cool. probably best. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd say let's, uh, let's just go ahead and do that. But uh, anyway, um, so, but getting into... Um, you kind of ending up where you are now, because I know that you kind of talked about um, that transition. And I've had uh, Newman, you know, uh, Eddie McGovern, right, from Rubes Brews? Correct. So he, kinda, he was kind of a part of something similar to where he was kind of, uh, he ended up playing for Arizona State when they went D1. Um, so we kind of got uh, a little bit of uh, a similar story, but I kind of want to know with yours, um, 
were they, um, I mean, for a long time, were they kind of moving towards that Division One? You knew it was going to happen, and, and decided to hop on the hop on the train, or how? Uh, how does that work? Um, so it was about a year prior uh, to this season, is when they announced they're making the transition, um, and I didn't even think anything of it at the time. Yep. Um, it was when I was at my previous school, um, and I saw that they were making this change, and realized I love Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't too happy where I was. Yep. Um, and so I decided I'm going to make the switch. It's a great opportunity to yeah, become sure. become one of the uh, first Division One players on a new school in yeah. St. Paul, Minnesota, which is oh, yeah. a hockey hotbed. Downtown St. Paul. Downtown yeah, St. So Paul. So you're in it. You're part of the deep town. Deep St. Paul, yeah. yeah. Hey, but um, I do have to ask this, though. I mean, what was your first D1 experience like? Uh, like before the game, like everybody's kind of had their own like moments where they're like getting ready for like a big event. But like as a hockey player growing up, even if you know you're good, it's like, oh, D1 game? Like what, yeah. you know, like, because I, I don't know. I mean, I, I get super nervous before e- men's league games and for no other reason than it's just what I'm used to. And I just like, ah, you know, uh, I don't throw up anymore. I used to when I was a kid though. Um, but like, well, but that's for like nothing, but a D1 NCAA NCAA game what's the what's the first one like how does that work so our first game this year was against <laughs> was oh it? here we go let's go yeah. let's go it was against uh st cloud Where uh, in st cloud yeah it was a sold out barn they have a unbelievable facility so mm-hmm. it, it's packed yeah people everywhere there's student sections all over us and warm-ups and i'm I mean, warm-ups awesome. coming out, it's pretty cool. You're like, wow, this is this is happening right now. Yeah. Um, but then when you come out for the game, after warm-ups, you got lights are dimmed. Like, you can just see people everywhere. But that, I think that's when it's set in, for sure. It's like, this yeah. is really hitting me right now. And yeah. then uh, national anthem happened, and I'm, like, getting chills just looking around. Like, but you're getting chills, is, though, yeah? Oh, 100%. That's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. It was hitting hard, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're in it. 100%. Yeah. Um, but then... I guess I'll leave it at that. The game didn't go too well. Uh, hey, St. Cloud is a uh, really <laughs> pretty good, good hockey team. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> pretty good. A wagon. They're pretty good. A wagon. Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty good at hockey. I think. Yeah, they're, good <laughs> they're at the sport. Yeah, they're they're okay. Uh, Google them. Yeah, maybe uh, <laughs> maybe don't disclose how that one went. But the next night, not bad. <laughs> yeah, next night was a good one. We played yeah. them at the XL Center where the Wild play. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, lost two nothing. Uh, and the, yeah. uh, and here, here's the thing, and like this is no offense, like I love Dallas Fort Worth hockey more than anything, but like you're from here, and then you're in the Excel Center playing Division One hockey. Like at a certain point, like what what do you? Uh, well, I don't know. I might save it for later, but there's got to be some things at that point that you're attributing to being at that point. A lot of that is your own like personal, you know, drive to make these things happen. But when you're in that moment, is that when you start thinking about like? like your family and your you just the, and just the, pe- the, pe- the people that you got there and newman and you know, i don't know <laughs> no i think i was assuming newman would be at the top of the list i don't know this is bad when i kind of let my brain just kind of wander around as i'd say national anthem is i kind of look around like just everywhere where i'm at like thinking of like how much i've done to get to this point um and then it's just kind of all hits me. I get chills probably every national anthem for every game. That's awesome. Though. It's just all kind of let it sink in. Like this yeah. is what I've worked for. But, um, but yeah, I'd say that for sure is 
to this day, every national anthem gets me. Yeah, but um, I think there's something too. Um, it's almost like, and I um, and I, I wish that I was able to. What's the best way to explain this? I wish I was able to take some hockey like less seriously. But when I get, because when you talk about the chills and stuff like that, like I've just had a. a I've just had a, a, a thing where before the game, I feel like a certain way. And this doesn't happen before like a drop-in or something like, but there's just a certain thing to where like I have my own checklist. And like kind of like at the, at the end of that checklist is just like thankful to be like able to step out there and then like give it uh, like 100%. Like I was just always like brought up to just kind of like give it 100%. And then it gets kind of tough when you like play men's league and it's like, oh, you're not supposed to do that kind of all the time. And it's like, <laughs> well, no, like there's a whole like religious experience before this game. And I like needed to, you know, um, just, I don't know, find myself somewhere. But like, I really do treat um, hockey as like a, a spiritual experience. So it's like kind of cool that when you, when you talk about the chills and everything, like yeah. that's why like people play and like you know exactly yeah like i just i don't know newman you get chills are you over the chills um no chills but even like you said i mean even just us playing men's league like there's just like a certain moment you know usually like kind of as i'm putting my helmet on you need to just take a deep breath and yeah yeah. you know and men's league doesn't matter i mean no 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 and i'm not saying men's league right right but it's like your own personal yeah it's just spiritual What, and everybody has their own spiritual thing before. It's just one of those. I mean, like we said earlier, it's a, it's a very privileged sport. And yeah. I think we would all agree all of our families have sacrificed a lot yeah, yeah, of yeah, time, effort, yeah. and obviously financially for us to be able to play. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I just – I will never not be thankful to have the opportunity to have gotten into the game and then be yeah. able to still play. Yeah. And it's just uh, – I mean, a little bit of it is, you know, like every game is different. You never know what's going to happen out there or anything. Well, you know, so you just kind of – Always appreciate it every time you go out. Well, and to be honest with you, uh, Corby, that's one of the things that I'm mostly focused on. It's not anxiety, but I know that even if I do everything correctly and everything, that there's a chance that I could be, like, not seriously injured, but, like, injured in a way that, like, will put me out of, like, playing hockey for a while. And I always I talk about this on the podcast, but, like, if, if you were to tell me that I couldn't play hockey for, like, six months, I'd be like, give me a therapist or, like, get me somebody that's going to, like, I just, that's, like, a lot of my, like, release my, uh, when we talk about, like, spirituality and stuff, like, hockey is a lot of that for me. So, like, when I go out before, it's almost like, okay, like, you know, if, if I, and this sounds weird, but, like, if I can make it back and, like, you know, one, one piece and move on to the next thing, because you see a lot of times, like, people that really love hockey, they get an injury or whatever, and then, like, it, like, kind of stops them. And it kind of, and I'm sorry to bring any negative uh, thoughts into this, but I just, I don't know. I'm always thankful afterwards when I've had a good time with the people, you know, Rubes Brews is a very close group that you're a part of, obviously, uh, Newman. But it's one of those things where it's like, okay, like, I got to come back and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I survived and I'm, I'm with my team and, and with my brothers. And it's a really good feeling. Yeah, I can, I can actually build off that. Uh, when I had my wrist surgery, when I was out for a full season, my first year of junior, um, I mean, through that whole time, it's it's not always fun and easy to watch your team play every <laughs> yeah, night. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, every night you're just watching, practicing through the week, doing what you can do with your wrist. Um, yeah. But, I mean, there hits a point where it's like you either need to buckle down and say no matter what's going to happen, like I'm going to get through this and I'm going to find the other side mm-hmm. or just call it quits, which wasn't an option. Um, but I think from that injury, I've mentally learned – so much from that mm-hmm. that I mean you can get through anything and 
find a way for it to make you better through it. Yeah. And that's kind of what I found from my wrist injury is I've, there's nothing that's too bad or can stop you from well, it. But it, 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 put, it put you kind of like, uh, no, it's like a fork in the road. Like, how much do you care about this? Exactly. Because, like, yeah. now it's going to be a lot harder. Yeah. Like, you thought it was hard before. Like, now it's, now it's yeah. even harder. Yeah. Like, how much do you actually care about it? Exactly. Yeah, and he'll never say it, but I watched this kid skate around for a year with his wrist in a cast because, you know, yeah. legs are fine. So, yeah. uh, you know, and, like, he won't say it, but, like, your wrist is hurt. All right, work on your skating. Yeah. And then, you know had to do a little something with his knees so like he couldn't skate right. so then it's like all right well now you got eyes on the sky like watch how the play develops watch right. where where can you find time and space like right. no matter what there's always a way to yeah. work on yourself and be better yeah well no that's yeah that's great that's yeah no but it's true and, and to be honest with you i think that's <clears throat> a lot of hockey players like a lot of hockey players like don't have to learn that until it happens and sometimes it only happens once and then sometimes that's just long enough to for them to be like, oh, this isn't really what I thought it was, or this, you know, what, and it kind of tests their, you know, commitment to like, you know, getting better and doing the things. Because there's a lot of really good hockey players I know that if they got hurt, they wouldn't be watching any video, they wouldn't be out on the ice skating, they wouldn't be doing any of those things. And that doesn't mean that they're not good hockey players, but you know, I think there's a difference between getting to the level of playing, you know, NCAA, you know, Division One or whatever. And I think that that's kind of like what it takes to get there. And I think that. What you'll find, I think, most of the time when you see, you know, even hockey players in the NHL, and I know that people talk about this a lot, but they play through injuries. There, there's a reason that they play through them is because they played through them before, even before they got to the NHL. And that's the reason they got to the NHL is that they did everything that they possibly could. And possibly, the cables may have taught you this, but play through some injuries, you know? Just if it, and I'm yeah. not saying, oh, hold on, I need to backtrack. Like, if you're really, really hurt, don't, but you can be tough. Yeah. There's... There's a difference between playing hurt and playing injured. Yes. Okay. You know, if you're you, if you're injured, you're injured. But if you're hurt, you're banged up, you're sore, you're tired. You find a way. Find a way if that's yeah. really what you're trying to do, because you will be tested, and it's like you almost have to pass that first test to get to the second one, and that's the only way that you make it uh, kind of to where uh, you are here, Kimball. But um, can you kind of just talk about um, where you are? Because we are getting a little close on time, but I, I do want to kind of talk about. Um, you're with the St. Thomas Tommies, um, but how are things going uh, in the moment currently? Yeah, I mean we're we're struggling on the season, um, but it, it it's tough New becoming team. a Division One team. Yeah. Um, also playing <laughs> top ten t- top ten teams. In I the mean, country. you're literally playing Division One NCAA well, hockey. In so yeah. So I mean, all that yes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, for you know, say the general fan listening right now, or yes, even you, yes. you. Yeah. you Whenever you picture college hockey, you probably think of like, oh man, who are the best teams? You think of St. Cloud, Minnesota Gophers, yeah. Minnesota State Mankato, yeah. uh, Minnesota, Minnesota Duluth. Duluth. They're the number one team in the country. Yeah. Uh, it changes all the time. So, uh, how many of those have you played this year? All of them. Yeah. But, so, but man, here's the thing. Uh, at, at the yeah. end of the day, like, there's so few people that can say that. You know? Yeah. Like, I mean, you're playing elite of elite of elite. And it's just going to make you better and better and better. Like, yeah, like I'm old, so I know that like I yeah. couldn't do it. But at the same time, I'm like, man, young man, go get it. Like, you know what I mean? Newman, do you feel that way? Do you just want him just like, I just, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like I just, I just want him to go get it. And I feel like he can. Yeah. I mean, 
iron sharpens iron. So yeah. the only way to do it is, you know, play those teams and, you know, one day yeah. you will be one of those teams. So No, but yeah. I just, I think that it's literally like to be able to be out on the ice with, with, with something like that, but also being capable, because Newman, you and I are talking about it, but we wouldn't be capable of, do, of actually doing this at the moment. We're kind of imagining in a dream world, but Kimball is actually doing thing, uh, doing these things in real life. And uh, um, before we get to the last part, Kimball, I just wanted to say I really appreciate you coming on. Um, I do think whether or not you know it or not, um, there's a lot of people in the Dallas-Fort Worth area that I think probably look up to you heavily because of like what you've been able to do, um, you know, from being down here. So I just really think that uh, you should. Uh, and I know you're a humble guy, but I personally know that there's a lot of people that think that way of you. Well, well, I appreciate that. That's, I mean, obviously my roots are here in Texas, yeah. um, and I would do anything to give back to the Texas community. Yeah, no, and I, and, and I hope you've enjoyed yourself, but you have. Just by being here, I hope you continue to do it uh, in other ways, in any way that you can. But uh, hopefully people up in Minnesota, hopefully they realize that there's some... Uh, I know a lot of them are still bitter about the stars and everything, but hopefully most of them realize that, uh, you know, there's, a, there's good hockey down here. Uh, speaking of the people down here and the listeners, yes. uh, are you going to tell them about Hockey Day in Minnesota? So, uh, yeah, we have a game coming up the end of January. Uh, it's Hockey Day in Minnesota. Um, it's an outdoor hockey game. Um, I could be wrong, so don't take me on this. But I believe it is being televised on the NHL Network. Um, I believe so, yeah. It's Yeah, it's us, St. Thomas versus Minnesota State, outdoors on their football field. Yeah, it seems like information that should be <laughs> shared with the people of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Thank yeah. you, Newman. Yeah, Thank you. even if uh, the listeners don't want to tune in to watch Kimball on the ice... Uh, I think I'm going to make the trip up and be in the stands, so maybe look for me there. <laughs> oh, hey, I will for sure. Well, I was just about to ask you if you want to do a watch party, but if you don't end up going up there, we should do a watch party. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If you don't, I'm assuming that you will because you... You know what? Trip's canceled. I'm in for the watch party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, hey, uh, no, but I, I think this is, uh, this is totally cool here. Um, well, hey, well, now we're at the last part, which is the shout-out. Um, Kimball, I'll go ahead and I'll reveal the rules of the shout-out to you at this moment. Uh, the shout out has to be anything. Uh, you already know that. You already know. Okay. Newman already knows. Uh, but the rules of the shout out are uh, it has to be something positive, and that's really kind of the only rule. Um, but it could be like, uh, it could be family, uh, friends. Uh, it could be, uh, I always say it could be a sound. It could be a mantra. It could be a thought uh, process that's gotten you through your life or through your playing career. Um, but if you understand the rules, do you currently understand the rules as they've been presented of the shout out? Yeah. Okay. Um, and are you prepared? Yeah. Okay. I was sure. going to send it over to Newman if you weren't. No, I mean, first person that, or people I think of are my parents, no doubt. Yep. Um, they've sacrificed literally anything and everything I would need to get to where I am. Yep. Um, I mean, yeah, that's by far the first thing that popped in my head. Yeah. That's good. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'll shout out to them. Love you guys. Yeah. Newman? Um, I don't know. Parents is always a good one, and he took that, so yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna double down here. Well, no. The thing is, Newman, I I know you probably don't remember this, but your I think the the shout out you had on episode two was your mom. Oh, I definitely know that. So, she, like, so she for sure already, would be my first. Well, my, yeah, but but we're we're saying that as kind of like a side shout out. Like, I still yeah. want you to be able to shout her out, but I'm also not gonna allow that to be your main one. For main shout out today, 
you mentioned earlier the close group we have on Rubes Brews. Yes. And uh, I think it was before you joined, but Kimball actually has played a couple of Rubes Brews games he as well. He is a Rubes Brews? He is a Rubes Brews. I think uh, In the blood. If he's uh, not too busy, stuck in Minnesota this summer, he will be back and be on the team again. I'm signed so up. So I would like to shout out Chris Rubio and the great group he has assembled. And I'm uh, looking forward to that and playing with all of you guys. I got to play when Kimball plays. I'm, not, I'm super excited. I've only been able to make uh, like two games a season. That's only because of the high school practice, uh, you know, up with that being Monday and Wednesday. But um, I'm looking forward to the summer, kind of when everything's over. And uh, Kimball, I, I'm really hoping I, uh, I hope I get to play there. Especially if he's on D. I'm sure Rubes loves him on D, yeah? Oh, I don't want to play D in the yeah. league. Oh, well, hey, no, he can play He can play winger with me and Brian. There Lee. we go. Hey, it's, let's go. Or actually, I don't His know. Rubes Brews number is 34, and he's doing his best Matthews impersonation out <laughs> oh, there. Oh, hey, there we go. Let's go. Well, hey, I don't know. You got. I feel like that Farmer's B League, they bring, you know, ringers in all the time. Not, you know, it's just we need one every once in a while because we're all old. We don't bring in any ringers. Like, we're just old, good hockey players, but we don't have any, like, young studs, which I feel like every other team does. So we just need a couple. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to make this work. Um, all right, well, hey, so here's going to be my shout-out. Um, so my shout-out is going to be for, and I know I've shouted this out before, um, but I'm going up to Tulsa for Christmas, and um, oftentimes when I go up to Tulsa for Christmas, I try and bring my hockey bag. I plan on getting a skate in uh, up at the Oilers Ice Center. Um, but my shout-out is actually for the Tulsa hockey community. Um, I've kind of been in contact with some people from there recently, and um, I don't know. Like, everybody kind of always uh, misses home a little bit, um, but I don't spend enough time at that rink for it to be considered home anymore. Um, but in a long about way, I still know a lot of people that love and care about that place. And um, I just want the best for them. And I think I might just leave it at that. But uh, my shout out is going to be uh, for the uh, Tulsa hockey community. And um, I don't know. I hope that I maybe get to see some of you guys when I come up for Christmas. But uh, anyway, uh, Kimball, you are a great guest, man. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate awesome. you being here. And uh, Newman... I just need to have you back on as co-host more often. I just, um, I always appreciate having you on because I feel like we have a good, con I feel like we have a whole bunch of good conversations that are not actually ever recorded. So it's cool that we actually get to have them, like, but we can record them and then people can listen to them. Yes, sir. Always happy to be here. Well, Newman, you're just, Newman's the best, isn't he? He is the best. Isn't just Newman that I was about to say. If, if, if you don't like Newman, something's wrong with you. But uh, anyway, um, all right. Well, I guess I have the uh, Matt Taylor list to do now. Um, you can check us out on faceoffspotpodcast.com. I'll say that one more time. That's faceoffspotpodcast.com. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook. Uh, we have an Instagram that we don't use a lot, but you can check us out there. Um, we're on iTunes and Spotify. Uh, Rubes Brews is on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, those are all the things I think I needed to say. Uh, you guys have anything you need to plug? Nothing to plug? Nothing for me. Going to be a great skate tomorrow, Mansfield 12. No one will know this because this will be out after, Yeah, but it's going to be a good one. You know Dial what, in. You want to you know what's sad, though? Because I have to leave for Tulsa in the morning, but I know that tomorrow's skate is going to be really good. And I just hope that uh, if you plan on going, I hope that you at least uh, text me that it was really good. Because I hope it's really good. Like just, I don't hope it's bad just because I don't get to go. Like I hope it's really good. And I hope you have a lot of fun.
black team's going to be wheeling. Oh, okay. All right. Hey, well, you... Oh. No, they won't listen to this yet. Okay. Well, uh, all right. Well, they've already found out that black team has dominated uh, <laughs> the, the white team there. But uh, anyway, um, I appreciate everybody uh, listening and checking in. Um, I, uh, I really enjoyed this episode. This was a fun one. It was a chill one. And um, for anybody... Oh, actually, uh, pick up the microphone real quick again. And can you remind people of when the outdoor game is... For St. Thomas, because uh, we're, we're going to look this up here. Because I would like to think that most people in the Dallas-Fort Worth area would love to see a... Because uh, it's on NHL Network, I believe, yeah? I, that is not confirmed, but I believe. <laughs> well, let's, it will be televised. Yeah, so uh, either way, I think that most people would want to uh, check in on the, the local kid here uh, playing in... Uh, wait, who are you playing again? Uh, Minnesota State. So they're playing Minnesota State. Um, and we're going to get information... It's on uh, January 22nd. January 22nd. Okay, you heard it here first. Uh, so check them out. Uh, Minnesota State versus St. Thomas. Is that at 4.30? Is that what I see? Yep. Okay, at 4.30. See, okay, there we go. See, we got all the information that we, need, we to, we need to out there. But this was like a, this was a, new, uh, a new thing that we had to figure out here. But uh, anyway, uh, boys, I appreciate you guys coming on. And for everybody listening, uh, check out that game. Um, it's a local kid, and he's doing big things, so check him out. Um, all right. Hey, you can check us out every Thursday. New episodes coming out every Thursday. All right. Later, guys.